Welcome to Medical Minefield, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman, the health editor at The Mail on Sunday, and with me, as ever, is The Mail on Sunday's ever-incisive deputy health editor, Eve Simmons. Hello. So, Eve, Freedom Day, do you plan to ditch your mask? Yes, I'm throwing it in the bin right away. No, I'm joking. I'm not doing that at all. I'm okay, probably so, keep it on. Oh, keep it on when? All I the mean, time. All in the, the toilet, <laughs> in the shower. Um, Is that where you're wearing it at the moment? Because I think you might be misusing that piece of equipment. <sighs> Damn it. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. Um, it's just 18 months into the pandemic. After all this time. I did think it was getting a little bit sodden. No, uh, I think I will uh, be very sensible and keep wearing it in crowded places where social distancing is not possible, such as public transport. You said something the other day which I thought was exactly what will happen. So my theory is that there'll be lots of people who will think they're being upstanding citizens because they'll want to continue to wear their mask, but they don't really like it. They find it a bit uncomfortable. They get very hot, especially in the summer. They will be on a tube or a train or whatnot, have the mask on, decide they're hot, take it off and leave it off. I think that's what's going to happen. Well, according to a YouGov survey, two thirds of Britons say they will carry on wearing masks. You have to take these kinds of things with a pinch of salt because research also shows that people tend to say what they think is the most morally acceptable thing when they're surveyed rather than what they actually want. Mm, the correct um, answer. There was another Ipsos Mori poll that suggested that 40% of people would like to keep them permanently in shops and on public transport. Sadiq Khan in London has taken matters into his own hands and says that he will require masks to be worn on public transport in London, where he has control of these things. And in Wales, of course, masks remain mandatory. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I predict things are going to get quite aggy, to be honest. <laughs> it's a technical term. Well, you know, I, I haven't seen it myself with regards to masks, but I have seen the kind of standoffs and rows that happen when people sort of when people break social distancing and stuff like that, people yell at each other. And, and I can imagine there'll be a kind of similar situation with masks. It does seem to be the most contentious issue, doesn't it? I mean, you don't see stickers on trains saying stop social distancing, but you do see pictures of these kind of awful memes that people make of, uh, you know, telling people that they shouldn't be wearing their nappy on their face. Oh, yeah, I love that one. Take that nappy off your face. Take the nappy off your face. <laughs> I think, as I've said before, they've they've got the messaging on masks wrong from the start. The, it began with this very vague notion that we were waiting for empirical evidence that masks worked to protect us or protect each other or whatever it was. And of course, you know, when it comes to testing out drugs in a trial, we must have that kind of level of evidence because if you get it wrong, people will take a drug and then die. So things need to be rigorous. But for mask wearing, there really was never the need for data or empirical evidence. We knew from Asian countries that it was part of a package of measures that were probably very effective and had been, you know, been shown decades ago with SARS-1, um, you know, masks when they're part of everyday life cut down infections. But, but this uncertainty has implanted on the minds of people who probably are already sceptical. Now they write into us saying there's not a shred of evidence that masks work, when in fact that's not 
the case now, is it? There is good evidence. There is good evidence based on the, the best kind of experiments that we can do in this situation, because obviously it's impossible to have a kind of very controlled trial looking at people who wear masks and people who don't wear masks and the level of infection, because it would involve testing everyone in a certain vicinity to see yeah, who's feasible. got it. Exactly. Many scientists have argued that we have enough evidence based on, as you said, other infections and also flu. We've seen lots of evidence from years ago that has shown that masks are very effective at stopping particles and droplets from transmitting to others. But of course, the other side of the argument involves the fact that so many of us now are vaccinated. I am, you are half vaccinated. I'm half vaccinated. So presumably once we've got these high levels of, of vaccination, we just we don't we don't need the masks anymore. Well, that's what perhaps some people would believe, but others are arguing differently, it seems. Well, let's hear from scientists who straddle both sides of the debate. First up, we've got Dr Gabriel Scali, a, a public health expert and visiting professor of public health at the University of Bristol. Dr Scali, we're talking about masks and the easing of restrictions that's about to occur. Where do you stand? Should we keep wearing them or are we safe to just ditch them? Masks are one of the best public health interventions we have in trying to get the virus under control. And I think we should be seeking to improve our, our mask wearing. And by that, I mean, we started off thinking about the virus as being spread by droplets uh, and, and sneezes and coughs and so on. And we now know that the virus is really spread in air. And we also know that the variants that have come at us over the last year have made it much more transmissible. So if anything, it's probably a better idea to wear masks and wear masks rather than the cloth face coverings that we started with. And uh, the uh, good standard masks, FFP2 masks or FFP3 masks, those standard masks were in very short supply at the beginning of the pandemic, but there are plenty of supplies of them now. And many countries have upgraded their requirements for the quality of the mask that people have to wear to that. So I, I'm in favour of continuing to wear masks anytime people are in a crowded place or particularly indoors and where they think the ventilation isn't good. But improving ventilation and mask wearing go together. We shouldn't be doing one or the other. We should be doing both, really. One of the main criticisms that people have of mask wearing is that there isn't very good evidence that they do anything to prevent transmission. It was well observed early on that they didn't protect the wearer from picking up the virus. And it was very much later sold as a way to prevent you from giving it to other people. But people do still say there wasn't enough evidence to prove this. Um, what do you say to that? Well, I think those are ridiculous claims. The virus was a, a, a new organism to human beings. And of course, we didn't have a, an evidence base for it at that time. But we do know that masks have been an important part of protecting patients and uh, protecting staff in hospitals from the spread of infectious disease for generations. And we're just really lucky that we've got such high quality masks at the present time. And there is no doubt that if you are in a situation where there is virus in the air and the air isn't moving and you are uh, running the risk of being affected, then a mask is a good thing to have and particularly a better quality mask that uh, makes sure that the air you're breathing in and out goes through the mask 
not round the side, not up onto your glasses or uh, past your eyes, uh, but, but really works. And we know those work. There is no doubt about that. You talk about the correct wearing of masks, and I even feel there have been confusing messages about that because initially there was this worry about, uh, you know, the, the whole donning and doffing technique and the fact that you could contaminate your own mask and that you had to change them regularly. And then that message was changed very much to just use any old thing in front of your face and think of it like a hanky and don't get too hung up on it. Now you're saying that surgical masks are the thing when people talk about evidence, I feel what they're saying is, you know, 18 months or whatever it is into this pandemic. Do we know what impact mask wearing in real life settings has had on this virus or transmission of this virus? You know, we've had this huge amount of time and so many people actually wearing them. Do we not have any really good evidence that we could say, you know, this has happened that shows that the masks really work with the COVID pandemic? Well, there is some good evidence around and, and some that has emerged very recently about the benefits of, of mask wearing and how protective they can be in some experiments that have been conducted in hospitals. And they've looked at the transmission within certain units in hospitals versus other units which used less good surgical masks compared to the FFP2, FFP3 masks. And it showed a really, really substantial difference. And yes, the science has changed over the course of the pandemic. For example, you mentioned the touching issue, and, and touching was regarded as a, a really important part of prevention at the beginning. But that, again, was because we thought it was droplet spread. And uh, the spread via fomites, which are, are surfaces and objects that we touch, and that was one of our worries at the beginning, uh, that has really generated very, very few cases and is not seen as being a major problem. And some of the things we do, I still see it happening. People still sticking to an outmoded thought about how the virus spreads uh, through wearing these uh, face shields which, where the air just goes round them. Uh, so that's pretty useless. And also, you know, obsessive uh, hygiene of uh, cleaning surfaces all the time, multiple cleanings in the same day and so on. That's not what we should be concentrating on air. We should be concentrating on ventilation. And when we can't ventilate places properly or when we're not outside, we should be wearing masks. I think the other big question that people ask is why, if they're vaccinated, would they need to wear a mask? Or if, if enough people are vaccinated, would anyone need to wear a mask? I think, I think that's certainly the government's thinking. Where do you stand on that? Well, unfortunately, we know that people who have been vaccinated and double vaccinated can still be infected by the virus. And we're seeing evidence from around the world that this is so. And uh, you know, I have personal experience of, of uh, a close colleague uh, who has developed the infection having been doubly vaccinated. And that's within the last couple of weeks. And he's still suffering the symptoms almost two weeks afterwards and quite serious symptoms. So we know vaccination isn't perfect. And we know that the variants are just eating away at that immunity. So unfortunately, vaccinated people can get infected. Some of them can even be infectious. Happily, very few of them go to hospital, but some do, and even fewer again die. So the vaccination has been great at preventing deaths, but there still are one or two, but it's not a guarantee. So someone who has been doubly vaccinated can get the virus and they can get the illness and they can potentially transmit it as well. So they should keep themselves safe and keep other people safe by wearing a mask when they're in the situation that calls for it. Thanks very much for finding some time to explain that all to us. 
I think Dr. Scully makes a really good point that, uh, and it's something that I've been banging on about since the dawn of the whole pandemic, that the making us do unnecessary things mm. clouds the the waters, doesn't it? And and you know, the more we force people to have temperature checks, naming no names of of buildings that are still requiring temperature checks every single time you leave and come back in the building, and you know all the other uh, theatre, the the plastic screens and the stupid visors and the ridiculous everything else, hygiene theatre does yes. nothing whatsoever to protect us from viral transmission. Making us do those things makes you associate the things that you work with those ridiculous measures. And it's true, it clouds the water. And there is actually evidence that that masks work in all kinds of ways and settings. You know, the evidence isn't perfect, but they do reduce transmission. It's a really good question, you know, why if we have all been wearing masks, have we still seen huge waves come and go? But... I think that the best evidence shows that masks reduce transmission by around 50% if worn well. And that's worth doing. That's better than crossing your fingers. But I think the British public don't like doing things if they see them as unnecessary. And if we've all been vaccinated, then what is the point? And so now I think we should actually talk to somebody about this. On the line now is Monica Gandhi, who is Professor of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. Dr Gandhi, do you think it's right that our government is ditching the mask mandate? Well, that is what the CDC has decided here in the U.S. Actually, the way that they've done it is they've linked it to vaccination status. I have always thought that you should link it to what hospitalizations are doing in your country in the case of high vaccination rates. So, we wrote an article way back in April in the Washington Post, Ashish Jha and I, and it was really linked to a certain proportion of the adult or eligible population being vaccinated and low hospitalization rates. Luckily, uh, the UK has managed to keep COVID-19 hospitalizations low, even in the face of the recent opening and even in the face of increased cases because you really have done a great job in vaccinating your adult population. So the answer there would be yes, um, it can be recommended, but even the restrictions that are linked to hospitalization rates really make sense. So really, there's no, uh, it's not necessary to make it illegal to not wear a mask. So no, I mean, and that's again what the United States have cho- has chosen to do. It's a recommendation in places where cases or hospitalizations are going up, but not um, a mandate. And I think that the way to think about it is this. People who are vaccinated are safe from their vaccination. People who are unvaccinated are safe from other people's vaccination. And it can be linked again to how your country is doing, but your country is doing, at least in terms of hospitalization rates, very well. So everyone's going to have their personal risk tolerance. And as Dr. Fauci said here in our country, everyone can choose to mask, but mandates are usually linked to hospitalization rates. And Dr. Gandhi, one thing that I always wonder about is the fact that mask mandates have been in most countries over the past 18 months. And yet, well, specifically kind of here, the case rates have continued to rise despite the fact that everyone's wearing masks. Is, is it true that they just don't work? No, I actually think they do work. And the way that I think they work are not through 
they're not perfect in any way, shape, or form. And really what is much, much more effective is a vaccine. But a barrier to respiratory secretions, it's like a condom, frankly, in sexually transmitted infections. There isn't actually a great study that shows that condoms work, but they do work. And the same thing with masks, that they do provide a physical barrier. And it does make sense that they limit your transmission and they limit coming in a virus is just a physical barrier. But the most important thing you can do to protect yourself and protect others from COVID-19 is get a highly effective and safe vaccine. It is the difference between vaccination and not. You're right, they are never going to be the solution and they haven't been as cases have gone up worldwide. And do you think that telling people that they should carry on wearing masks, despite the fact that they've had their vaccine, risks kind of undermining the vaccine? Yes, I think that the reason that the CDC actually told people that they didn't have to wear masks after vaccination was partially a motivator factor. And CNN did a report that after on May 13th, the CDC said that there was an uptick in vaccinations among people previously reluctant to take the vaccine. It is positively motivating to link loss of restrictions and removal of restrictions to vaccination to people who are still on the fence about getting the vaccine. And also it may tell people who are not vaccinated that the vaccine doesn't work if there's this concern that multiple layers of mitigation are still necessary. So it really, we have to think about, I think, psychology when we talk about masks and vaccines. I do believe that mass distancing and ventilation are important pre-COVID-19 vaccines, but vaccination is the solution to a pandemic. Hmm. Do you think that there's not enough evidence that masks work? You know, it really depends on your decisions about what constitutes evidence for a behavioral intervention. So randomized controlled trials that involve behavioral interventions are difficult because, for example, the Danmas study that was performed in Denmark early on in the pandemic did not show effectiveness in reducing transmission of masks, but it was did require that people wore the masks at a time that mask use was not prevalent. And that behavioral intervention and the lack of adherence to that means that implementation science methods are likely better to evaluate behavioral interventions than RCTs or randomized control trials. I know that people doubt the physical science evidence, but the physical science evidence is really strong that masks block respiratory virus getting out to people and respiratory virus coming in. So as someone who works on HIV and thinks about condoms in the same way, I really do think that they they make sense and that they work. I just think that vaccination and immunology is a better way to get out of the pandemic than mitigation procedures. Brilliant. Well, Dr. Gandhi, thank you so much. It was so interesting, as always, to speak to you. Hi. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but there's another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at mailplus.co.uk.
I think that was a great point about the condom use. Yes. Where do they get the uh, little um, statistic they write then on the packet about 99% effective? What, what's that they, based on? It's the same thing as as mask wearing. So they've done studies in labs with machines showing that they do actually block things. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, if you look at studies of real life use of condoms, that perfect use that they achieve in labs in the same way as masks... People don't. I think you'd have to actually have the condom on prior to meeting or something to make sure that that you had the perfect use situation, which... uh... Nobody does that. (laughs) I don't know if Dr Scally said this or somebody else said this, but that we're looking at science and health evidence in a completely different way from how reporters like us are used to looking at it you know first we search for the evidence and if there is evidence then we support something and we we think that it's worth writing about but with masks it's a we're turning that on its head and actually perhaps from the very beginning we shouldn't have been looking at it in terms of where's the evidence but well it's not going to harm anyone so why don't we do it but that's not how we're used to accepting medical interventions i think people have looked at medical evidence i mean before this whole last year and a half i don't think if i talked about data or evidence to most people they would have really engaged with what that subject what what that really oh, meant. they would have been boring yeah but no you case. just hear people talk about data endlessly mm. people ask for data they want to see data data uh, you know, I mean, I've had whole lectures and seminars where people have tried to explain to me how to analyse data. And, and it, honestly, it's very complicated. <laughs> so I don't know if, if people asking for data would actually know what the bloody hell they were looking at. I, you know, maybe they should have my job. I think it's a it's a barrier to stop them having to do what they don't want to do, which is in this case where I'm asked. Well, yeah, I think what people are doing is approaching the subject of evidence in the same way that they would approach buying a newspaper. They buy the one that agrees with what they already already think. So you're, you're trying to find evidence that backs up your own prejudices. And really, that's not how it works. But perhaps if from the very beginning, there hadn't even been a question of there isn't enough evidence. Yeah. um, And that hadn't been reported widely or spoken about by well, very was, high profile people. It was people. the WHO, wasn't it? Exactly. Well, about yes. If that hadn't have been out there... They then... shot themselves in the foot with that. Completely. Yeah, because people wouldn't have had this message to cling on to that confirms their beliefs. I wonder whether the whole reluctance to embrace masks to start off with was because they had this huge shambles with PPE. They, they didn't know how to get hold of it anyway. And, you know, if that's true that, that cloth masks don't work anyway... Why were they telling everyone to wear them? I mean, I mean that's the, irritating the time, in itself. Yeah, isn't it? the amount of time I wasted trying to fiddling about with my elastic bands and my bandanas that were buried <laughs> in my cupboard somewhere from 1995. But I'm sure you looked divine. Oh, yeah, it was a Gucci one, so that's fine. As a total aside, another thing that's been mentioned by our experts is the, the whole, uh, you know, who's in hospital. And it's, it's the people who aren't vaccinated. Okay, here's something. How do you feel when you're told about the, as we have been this week, about young anti-vaxxers being wheeled in to intensive care. How do you feel? Be honest. I'm going to try not to get cancelled. Obviously, I have sympathy for anyone who is unwell. Yes, it's not nice to be unwell and it's not nice to be in hospital and obviously it must be terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. However, um, maybe you should have made a better decision, perhaps. Is that too far? I don't know. I think 
as anyone who works in the health service would tell you, they treat the treat person... Treat without prejudice. Exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. But we don't work in the health service, so, so we can be I completely prejudiced. Prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> but there was another thread that I saw, which was quite interesting on Twitter, or a comment from someone, I think it was from someone claiming to be a doctor, although I don't believe them, mm. saying that, you know, the average age of death for people with COVID was 86, um, and that was older than life expectancy itself. And I've I, seen I this argument. Was, yeah. It was quite interesting, wasn't it? And I wondered by that same judgy standard how young that age bracket would have to come before people gave a toss about the death. Yeah, because it doesn't matter if there's they... 100,000 85-year-olds dying. They're 85 and they're probably going to die oh, in a yes. week's time anyway. Yeah, it so. was, or it should have, if it wasn't that, it would have been, you know, a broken hip. <laughs> they would have fallen over in the <laughs> yeah. shower. Yeah, I mean... But if it was... 70 or if it was 60 or if it was 50 or you know i mean 40 i mean <laughs> could be me i think there's always going to be a certain proportion of people who don't care what age people are as long as it's not me or my peers um, or people i know or love you kind of i'm not bothered but I do think that once you get to, I don't know, is it once you hit the menopause or once you start going grey? I don't know. But I think that there is a certain age that people get to when all of a sudden you sort of become, mm. people sign you away and think you're irrelevant. I mean, ultimately, the people that are going to suffer as we open up and ride out this next wave, mm. which is clearly the intention, uh, the people that are going to become very ill the people that are going to die are the vulnerable they're still going to be the group that is most represented in hospitals and mask wearing is going to be an impact on them because the more people that wear masks in more settings the lower the transmission rate is the fewer the higher the transmission rate will be the more rapidly the virus will reach these groups so ultimately it's this act of altruism for the vulnerable and if you don't care about the vulnerable then you ditch your mask the a doctor said something to me yesterday which i thought was actually really important so a lot of these people who do are still going to be very vulnerable to the virus despite having both vaccines are going to be young they're going to be people who unfortunately have horrible diseases like blood cancers kidney disease and their immune system is completely zapped and so they're still at high risk and a doctor said to me you know any one of us could turn from being a perfectly healthy person to being one of those people in those groups tomorrow mm. um and that's something that really kind of stuck with me and made me think well if that was to happen or to somebody who i love i would want to know that other people were doing what they could to protect me or other people that i know and love it's a very difficult thing to sell goodwill and altruism i don't know if there's yeah, a public health campaign that can make people care i mean that whole clap for the nhs thing was gesture politics perhaps i don't know my other big problem and this is another <clears throat> risk of cancellation i think people in this country drink too much what's that got to do with this well hear me out <laughs> once people get drunk as we know they behave differently oh and does the mask come off the mask slips <laughs> But I do, I do think that's, you know, if I think about some of the times when I've been on the train home from work in my sad life and everyone's been out to the pub and they're on the train home too. And there's no masks going on. And I, I'm sure that if they hadn't have had a bit to drink, they probably would be very responsible and keep the mask on. But once you've had a few, you know, 
you have no cares in the world. And I think that that's going to happen. People are going to be going to nightclubs. Um, I can't imagine that on the night bus home, many people are going to be remembering to put their mask on. Well, it remains to be seen who's going to be in a mask and who's not come Monday. Yes, and who's going to go out and buy an FFP 52,000, what's it called? Isn't that some kind of warplane? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but you can buy them from Lloyd's Pharmacy and other pharmacies are available. Excellent. Well, that's all we've got time for. If you've got a question or a suggestion for a topic that we should be covering on Medical Minefield, please do get in touch with us directly on Twitter using the hashtag Medical Minefield. You'll find all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. You can also follow us on Twitter by searching at mailplus. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye.